This past Wednesday, I, along with a group of our focus missionaries and about 11 students, returned from a pilgrimage to Medjugorje. And I have to admit, I'm still a bit uh, incredulous about everything that is claimed to go on in Medjugorje. But you find me a place elsewhere in the world where in 100 degree heat on a Wednesday evening, there are 5,000 people praying the rosary, going to Mass, and going to confession. And I, I, I just, it's powerful. If that's the only miracle that's happening there, thanks be to God. What a great grace that is. But our trip was, was wonderful. It was a great trip. It was a time to be together, to follow after in some way, shape, or form the footsteps of our Lord by going away from what is comfortable and convenient and going to see somewhere and to try and find our Lord by turning away, in a sense, from our daily lives and embracing the pilgrim's journey, even though it be only for a short time. One of the great blessings of the eight days that we were gone was we had a total media fast. And in fact, you may not even believe that I went to Medjugorje because I took zero pictures the entire time and will be sharing nothing in terms of pictures on social media. Thank you, Jesus. It's amazing when we strip those things away how close and unfiltered we can be with each other. At every meal, we sat as a community and talked for well over an hour without the constant buzz and ding of our phones, without the world pressing in upon us in many ways. We were able to talk as brothers and sisters. And this was incredibly powerful because while we were over in Medjugorje, the Dobbs decision was rendered and Roe versus Wade was overturned. And obviously there are people on every side of the spectrum and very different feelings about that here in the church. And we have to respect the differences and opinions on those things. We have to also recognize that our church teaches us that we must advocate for the protection of life from conception until natural death and work wholeheartedly to build that up in our society, not only through governmental programs, but through our own sacrifice. But it was so powerful when that happened to be able just to sit and talk. In that moment, we weren't, you know, Republicans or Democrats, progressives, conservatives, young, old. We were just brothers and sisters trying to make sense of it. In the letter to the Galatians, which we heard the very end of today in our second reading, St. Paul has that famous line in the second chapter that in Christ Jesus there is neither male nor female, slave nor free, Jew nor Greek. When we follow Jesus, those things should pass away. And we were able to talk, and it was so powerful and beautiful that in those conversations, as we were initially responding and and making sense of this all, how all of us came to realize that this is but the beginning of our call as disciples of Jesus in the service of those who are in need. That we are called to be even more generous with our gift of self to those who are in need, to those women especially and families who find themselves in difficult pregnancies or times in their life. What a powerful and great gift that is. In the letter to the Galatians, St. Paul is wrestling with the Galatian church which has been inundated with what he calls Judaizers. These men and women who come in and say to the newly converted Christians, you must be circumcised, you must follow the law of Moses. And St. Paul is telling the church in Galatia, no, you have been given the fullness of the faith. This is why there is no distinction between you anymore. But how often in our life do we wear those marks 
of our own circumcision in one way, shape, or form. Maybe not physically, but how often does everything we do flow through the lens of our politics, of our ideologies, of our positions on various things? Whereas St. Paul is reminding us in this reading at the very end of his letter to the Galatians, what should we rejoice in? Our sharing in the cross of Christ. What makes our life real, authentic, beautiful, and powerful is the, willing, is, is the gift and the amount through which we are willing to share in the cross of Christ. To love is to suffer with and for other people. We see this great tension in our readings today between joy and suffering. Here is St. Paul rejoicing, but in what? The measure of his sharing in the cross of Christ. In the first reading, we hear from the very end of the book of the prophet Isaiah, where he is talking about the abundance flowing out upon Jerusalem, which was a city that had just recently been torn apart by destruction and war and division. In the gospel, we hear of the challenge of the 72 disciples going out into the world and the challenges that they face, but then they're rejoicing when they come back to the Lord. We, friends, are being called to offer our lives, to share in the suffering of Christ so that we can experience joy and bring the joy that comes from new life in Christ to others. We are being called to step into that new reality, but we are called, in a way, to suffering. It's never going to be easy. If Jesus prepares the 72, those whom he knew best and well in this world, to prepare themselves for the challenges in front, who are you and me to think that we would face anything else? To follow Jesus is to climb up on the cross with him. To share in that because it is the only place of redemption. It is the only place where we will find peace and a peace that lasts forever. And we see this in the world. The joy that comes from sharing in the sufferings of another. Those of you who are parents can see that in one way, shape, or form. There are no two people on this earth who rejoice more in my priesthood than my mother and father. Why? Because I put them through hell. (laughs) They suffered mightily because of me. They suffered with me. They suffered for me. They shook their heads, especially my father, who's a very soft-spoken man, again and again and again when I said or did something that was outrageous or ridiculous or offensive. And yet, they never forsake me. They were always there with me. And because of that, because they were willing to enter into and walk with me in that brokenness, the joy that they experience in seeing me as a priest, as crazy as it is to them to think that I am that, is almost unimaginable. And I know as as parents and grandparents, you have experienced the same joys, the same delights of walking with someone of entering into their brokenness and of seeing them turn that corner in some way, shape, or form. And friends, this is the church and the world we are called to build right now. This is the reality that we are faced with. In this, you know, Dobbs world, in this post-row world, we are called to be the people who go forward from our comfort into the discomfort, into the suffering of the world, to bring the love of Jesus, 
to bring the sacrifice and the service of Jesus. We are those 72, those few laborers who are being called to exceptional things. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to say yes to that? Imagine, but imagine the impact we could have on the world. We here at St. Paul's have a particular responsibility to raise up in our college students the future leaders of the church. Imagine if we all gave a little bit more financially to the parish, the number of students we could reach more with an increased ministry and apostolate on campus. Imagine the the leaders in the church who would know the love of God, who would know how to lead other people who could go forth. Imagine our local community if each one of us gave a little bit more from our time to serve those who are in need, to build relationships with our brothers and sisters who have different ideas or lifestyles, to go out and to find the suffering and to meet them in their compa- and meet them with compassion and love. Imagine if we used the gifts and focused on using the gifts that the Lord has given us to make the world a better place through our offering of self to other people. By using the talents that we have to share the good news of Jesus, whether that be artistic, whether that be intellectual, whatever those gifts are, what if we made a conscious choice to put those primarily in service to those who are in need and to the church? Yes, we may have few laborers, but friends, God started the church with 11 men and a woman in a room who were fearing for their life. And because of that, billions have been baptized into the faith. Because they were all willing to give everything to share their life with Christ. How can we do the same? Where instead of looking at each other through our divisions and through the marks that separate us in this world, we just love each other. We offer ourselves to each other. We build relationships to each other. We don't look at each other as projects, but as blessings, as gifts. We don't look at our faith as some sort of obscure rules that are put on top of us, but as an opportunity to share in the grace, the life of God. We are being called for this time. From before all time began, God loved you and God created you for this time. There are many days where I think to myself, it would be a lot nicer if there were more priests. I wouldn't be so busy. I wouldn't have so many million things to do. But at the same time, I also recognize that God didn't call me to be a priest 75, 100, 200 years ago in Ireland. God called me to be a priest here and now and to respond and to build up the laity in a way so that we can sanctify the world. This is the reality that we've been given, that I've been given, and blessed are we. Instead of looking at this as, isn't this the worst thing in the world? We get to share the gospel. We get the fullness of truth in the church. And the world needs that. The world needs us. And so how do we create those spaces to have unfiltered, authentic reactions? excuse me, not reactions, encounters with each other. First thing is, I've learned this, and hold me to this, please, hold me accountable. Turn off your phones. Sit and talk with each other. Start at home. At the dinner table, put your phones in a basket, turn them off, and sit there for a half an hour. Can you do that? 
Can you love each other that way? Can you go and sit with a friend? Can you turn aside from those things that you build up? And I know I do this. I'm the first among sinners in this. You do all of these things that just get in the way of actually loving the people who are in front of you. How can we do that? How can we share it? This is what we're being called to do. This is part of our sharing in the cross of Christ, is stepping away from the things of this world, stepping away from the things that distract us from God, keeping our eyes fixed on the Lord in prayer and in service to others, and then going out and sharing that with others. The 72 returned rejoicing to the Lord. The Lord is never outdone in generosity. If you take this first step, if you just offer a little bit more of your time, talent, and treasure to the Lord, to the church, to those who are in need, it won't be easy. There will be challenges. But the joy will be there. Because God loves you. Because God calls you to this. Because God has given this to you, as Jesus said in the Gospel of John, shortly before he goes off to his own crucifixion and death. I have given this to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. The world is a challenging place. There are many difficulties ahead of us. There are many difficulties in our friendships, in our families, in our relationships, in our local community, in our world, and in our politics. But there's an answer. There's a way. There's a man leading us. It's the way of the cross. It's Jesus Christ.